Hi, I'm Sherry Todd, a former DJ, now a podcaster. Every week, I hope to take you on an adventure that informs, inspires, and starts conversations. I want to get honest, and I want to get to the heart of life and love. There's going to be good days, bad days, good shows, bad shows. And just like life, we have to figure it out. And I want to figure it out loud. Welcome to Sherry. Welcome to Sherry. I'm Sherry Todd. First, let me get this exclaimer out of the way. I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist. I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse, sharing my journey in hopes of healing. The issues I may talk about are from research and personal experience and may be a trigger for some. So please take that into account as you listen. Thank you for tuning in to part five of my eight-part series, Healing from Child Sexual Abuse. This episode is about breaking the silence. Now, everyone has the right to tell the truth about his or her life. Although most survivors have been taught to keep abuse a secret, this silence is not in your best interest. The sexual molestation of children and the resulting shame thrive in an atmosphere of silence. As one survivor explained, incest is not a taboo. Talking about it is a taboo. Speaking out is a powerful step toward personal liberation, healing, and social change. Yet, it is something that many survivors find difficult. The first time you try to talk about your abuse, you might have been a child. Under ideal circumstances, you would have been believed, protected, and assured that the abuse wasn't your fault. You would have been given age-appropriate counseling and placed in a support group with other children. If the abuser was a family member, he or she would have been the one taken out of the house, not you. One young survivor describes the compassionate, effective support she received when she told her mother about being abused. I was a star player on the university basketball team, and I really loved my coach. All the girls did. He was a great coach. The abuse started when he was driving me home from night games. For several months, I couldn't tell anyone. I stopped eating, and my grades went to hell. I wanted to tell my parents, but I knew how angry they'd be. I was afraid they'd go after him, and it would ruin his life, and all the girls on the team would hate me. Then one night, my mother and I got into a fight about some outfit I wanted to wear, and I just blurted it out. The first thing she did was comfort me. It was such a relief to finally get out the secret. We did go to the police, and in the end, it was the right thing to do. We found out he'd been doing this to a lot of girls for years, and a few of us took him to court. It wasn't easy but I was proud that I helped protect other girls. This young woman received prompt, skilled, and sympathetic help, so her original trauma was not compounded by further mistreatments. Unfortunately, many survivors do not have the benefit of such positive interaction. Instead, they are blamed, ignored, attacked, or called liars. Defensive reactions are more likely if the security or status of the family is threatened by the disclosure. Parents are more likely to be supportive when the abuser is a stranger, a teacher, a coach, or a minister, rather than a relative with a brother, father, aunt, or grandmother who's implicated. Families often close ranks and deny the abuse, leaving the survivor outside the family circle. Defense's responses can be extremely hostile. You might have been accused of asking for it or called a little whore. If your brother was sent away to a treatment center, if your parents divorced, or if your father was sent to jail, 
You might have been blamed for breaking up the marriage, separating your family, or ruining a happy home. Many children never tell at all. They are silenced by the abuser, and it continues on. Abusers say things such as, it would kill your mother if she knew, or I'll kill you if you tell. Even if the abuser did not openly threaten you, being overpowered is a steadfast threat that your very existence is in danger. Sometimes telling leads to further abuse. One child confided in her best friend. That girl told her father, who asked for details. He then took both girls into the garage and did to them all the things he had just heard about. If your case was taken to court, you might have been subjected to brutal testimony, grilled by an insensitive defense attorney, or repeatedly forced to face your abuser. Although progress has been made over the years in meeting the special needs of child witnesses, the court process can still be difficult and sometimes a traumatic experience for children. Children not met with an actively cruel response are often met with devastating silence or told never to speak of it again. Families often go on as if nothing happened. Sometimes parents avoid talking about the abuse because they believe it's best for the child. They don't think that they should remind the child of her painful experience and want to help her move on. Sometimes they don't know how to bring up the subject or what to say. But never talking about the abuse can give children the message that their experience is too horrible for words and, by implication, that they are too horrible. And these and a host of other ways, children learn that there is no one they can trust, that sharing leads not to help but to harm or neglect, and that it's not safe to tell the truth. In other words, they learn shame, secrecy, and silence. Listen, telling takes a leap of faith when you let someone know what you have lived through and that person listens with respect and genuine caring. You begin a process of change, essential to healing. You move through the guilt and the secrecy that you keep that keeps you isolated. You move through denial and acknowledge the truth of your abuse. You make it possible to get understanding and help. You get more in touch with your feelings. You get a chance to see your experience and yourself through the compassionate eyes of a supporter. You make space and relationships for the kind of intimacy that comes from honesty. You establish yourself as a person in the present who is dealing with the abuse in her past. You join a courageous community of women who are no longer willing to suffer in silence. You can help child sexual abuse by breaking the silence in which it thrives. You reclaim your voice. You become a model for other survivors. You eventually feel proud and strong. Breaking your silence can also be difficult because it makes our childhood experiences more real. When we verbalize the truth that we have carried in silence and hear ourselves say the actual words, I was abused. It becomes much harder to deny what happened or to pretend it didn't matter. Once the experience is shared, it exists differently in the world. Even if we tell just one other person, 
our history and our suffering have moved from the private realm to a public one, and we can never minimize them or make them disappear quite the same way again. But telling your story, describing the details of what was done to you, can also bring you back into the pain and terror you experienced at the time of your abuse. Rather than feeling relief and sharing your story, you may feel overwhelmed and re-traumatized. If you're feeling extremely anxious or triggered when you tell your story, it may be wise to back off and focus more on building your support system and developing your skills for self-nurturing and self-care. If you're in counseling or in a support group where you feel safe, that's an excellent place to begin to talk about your abuse. Telling for the first time can feel scary, and it helps to be in a place where you know someone will listen compassionately. Telling your partner, lover, or close friends is also important. You need to let the people around you know why you are sometimes sad, angry, preoccupied, and want to be alone. Your friends need to understand why you may not trust them readily. Your lover needs to know why you may have difficulty with sex, why you cling or withdraw. There's a lot of work involved in building healthy relationships, and you need these people in your life as allies. Although it is not necessary or even appropriate to tell every single person you meet, it is important that you share with the people you want to be close to. There's an old saying that wisdom comes from experience, and experience comes from making mistakes. So be gentle with yourself. This is how we all learn. Though even if you choose carefully on the basis of your best knowledge and instincts, no one's responses are ever completely predictable. Taking stock of what you might have done differently can teach you valuable lessons, but it's equally important not to take responsibility for someone else's reactions. If the person you confided in didn't listen well or responded respectfully, that's the other person's shortcomings, not yours. So now, here is this week's writing exercise. The first silence you break is to yourself. Now, many people have found it very difficult to tell people that they were sexually abused. When they do tell, it's often in very generalized terms. So for 30 minutes, write about your experience of being sexually abused as a child. When you write, include as many sensory details as you can, what you actually saw, heard, smelled, tasted, or felt, Now, if your abuse covers too much and too many abusers to write it all in a half an hour, just write what you can. Don't worry about which experience to start with. Begin with what feels most accessible or what you feel you most need to deal with. This is an exercise you can do over and over again. If you don't remember a lot of the details of what happened to you, write about what you do remember. If there's something you feel that you absolutely can't write, then at least write that there's something you can't write or won't write. That way, you leave a marker for yourself. You acknowledge that there's a difficult place. There is no one right way to do this exercise. Your writing may be linear, telling your story in chronicle order. It may be a wash of feelings and sensations, Or it may be like a patchwork piece being scattered, bits and pieces here and there. This is an opportunity to uncover and heal, not to perform or to meet anyone's expectations, not even your own. It might be hard to do, 
But once you write it down, it's a beginning. Now, on January 16, 2019, my first episode of Sherapy was released. How Radio Saved a Life was me breaking my silence. Though a handful of people knew my story, many close to me did not. Writing it out before I recorded it was surprisingly easy. I didn't sugarcoat the abuse, and I knew it would be hard to listen to for some people. I sat in front of my mic and recorded my story. Then I uploaded it for the world to hear. And I'll admit, I had a panic attack that night. The fear of unknown reactions. I'm happy to say all the reactions were positive, supportive, and empathetic. A lot were from family and friends who said they never knew. Now, if someone close to you tells you their story, don't be surprised you never knew or saw the signs. You know that survivors spend a lifetime carrying around a secret only to tell the ones they feel they can trust. So everything I spoke about in this episode and the others can be found in the book, The Courage to Heal by Ellen Bass and Laura Davis. I highly recommend this book for survivors of child sexual abuse, including male survivors, and you can get it on Amazon. Now, if you have any thoughts or questions, my email address is podcast at charitywithsherrytodd.com. Don't forget to follow on Facebook or Instagram. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Next week, part six of Healing from Child Sexual Abuse. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sherapy. And always remember to embrace your voice. See you, bye. You can find Sherapy with Sherry Todd in your iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, or other favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.